You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's Thursday, and we're Grant and Danny. And unfortunately, tonight there is no Thursday night football. No Thursday night football the rest of the way. It's January 5th, 2023, as we approach the final weekend of the season for the Washington Commanders. A home game against the Cowboys. Sam Howell will get the call. Big show for you. Beltway Blitz at 4. We will blitz the East at 5. And before we get out of here at 6.30, a Caps power play. They are back on the ice trying to remain hot and get another point or two tonight. By the way, congratulations, friend of the show, regular Nick Dowd, who will not appear with us this week, he has a good excuse in his wife welcoming a new baby to the family yesterday. Way to go, Dowder. So congrats to Nick Dowd on the addition to his family. What's up, Danny? Not much, my friend. By the way, it seems like we got a little streak going. Like, hey, Nick Dowd's going to be in the show tomorrow, and he scores. Like, he's basically kept pace with Ovi over the last month or so. I I'm being slightly doing facetious. Where yeah. I send him a, I send him a emoji of pie every time he scores, mm-hmm. and I now do that almost every game. Yeah, you, you're running out of them. You're, you're probably repeating pies at this point because I don't know how many pie emojis there actually are. Speaking of that, that's a terrible transition, but whatever. Dude, everybody who lives in this area, make a trip. Do this once. Treat yourself, as they say. The three blacksmiths in Sperryville, Virginia. The wife and I went last night. We were supposed to go in November. Couldn't. Kid was sick. We asked to reschedule. They said, yes, a table has just opened up two months from now on a Wednesday night. Yes, we'll take it. No problem. It's an unbelievable experience. Totally unique. It's amazing. This little, you know, uh, one-stop sign town of Sperryville. But the wife and I did it last night. Just absolutely splendid. We are refreshed and still Thinking about that meal that we had last night. Amazing. So I can tell just by hearing what you just said that I would love Sperryville. Mm -hmm. It doesn't sound like a real place, though. It sounds like it should be called Berryville, and you're accidentally saying Sperry. I know what you're saying. Someone's like, oh, where did you, uh, where are you coming from, sir? And he's like, uh, Sperryville. Quick, make up a place. Sperryville. Like said, the movie script has Sperryville as the place. It just sounds like you're adding an S to an actual place. But I'm sure it is lovely, and I'm glad that you had a great meal. What was the highlight of the dinner? I would say the uh, slow-cooked venison with mm. elk shoulder and uh, white truffles on top of it. Again, beyond gourmet. Like it's just it's a it's a different thing. It's so indulgent. It's incredible. So so good. Uh, I had I now I told my wife in the middle of the meal the bread and butter service, which by the way rivals anything you've ever had in your life. The butter was bacon butter. I'm gonna say that one more time. The butter was bacon butter. Sounds like a better version of butter. And I said to her, I said, I'm, I'm so sorry to tell you this. I will no longer be accepting regular butter. Bacon butter. Whatever we have to do. Yeah. I don't know who we have to, I don't know who we have to, to you know, to, to, 
to kidnap. I don't know who you have to like to, to torture to get this recipe. Bacon butter forever, please. You just need to get shipments to your house. Yeah. Fly it in from wherever. Bacon butter. Oh my God. Build a nice uh, like helicopter landing pad in your yard yeah. so that someone can bring you in. Whatever we have to do. Your bacon butter. This is we're no longer saving for college for our kids. We're doing bacon butter. The butter itself costs like six bucks, but the getting it there costs yeah. two thousand million Fine. per year. Fine. Another mortgage payment a month to get, to get me some bacon butter. Uh, I do want to start really quick before we talk about timely things in DC sport with the update on Demar Hamlin that we were just watching here in studio. Uh, today at the hospital in Cincinnati where he has been in critical condition, a couple of the renowned folks that are working on and with him uh, gave an update, and he is making what they're calling remarkable improvements. Uh, the anecdote I just heard that gives me so much joy is that he's writing notes to them to communicate because it sounds like he still has a tube or maybe tubes down his throat, but he wrote a note to one of the first responders, I guess, or, or the folks that were still there where there was a nurse or someone else bedside and asked them, did we win the game? Like, Did we win? Did we win? Which is amazing. But that tells you that he's got a cognitive function, that he is processing information. He knows who he is and where he was. And I mean, that tells you a lot. And he's able to write. I mean, there is, there's so much about that that is amazing. Now, they were quick to caution that he's got a long road ahead and there's a lot of hurdles still to clear. But they are doing this press conference because they feel comfortable now saying that he has made remarkable improvements. So perhaps many of these prayers and these thoughts that we've all been sending are being answered because the news today is really, really good. It's as positive as, yeah, it's as positive as you could reasonably hope for uh, so soon afterwards. Um, it's amazing. It, it, one of those things that just you can't help but, you know, you're trying. We all, you know, we all process. We all saw what happened live on 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 Monday night, right? And every, you can hear about an incident when it's away from your eyes. You can hear about an accident or something, uh, a tragedy, and, and you can be moved by it. But it's just different when you, we all saw it go down in real time. And, and as you kind of try to to put the pieces together and go on with your daily life, remembering that it's trivial, like my misfortune, my irritation, my I got to get my car fixed. Like it's <laughs> annoying. So secondary yep. to what he endured, to what he's going through, what his family's going through, et cetera. Can't help but put a smile on your face, though. Finding out this, you know, something that we would take for granted, that cognitive function is slowly starting to restore and, and he's, you know, lucid and responding. It's it's amazing, man. It really yeah. is. As I sat here in studio listening to the press conference they were doing a while back, all I could think about was just how amazing the performance and the job was by the first responders at the stadium. That's right. Because they were referencing that it was a bunch of folks from their hospital that are at every game, basically. And how many times do you sit there and you're not needed? You know, you're playing on your phone or doing whatever it is that you do while Joe Burrow lights up a defense. You know what I mean? Right. And that night was the night that you were called upon to save a human life. And they executed perfectly and they did it. Apparently the Bills doctors diagnosed him with cardiac arrest almost immediately and got the doctors needed out there to cut the jersey off and get the pads off and do all that stuff to to put the pads on his chest and to immediately resuscitate him with CPR. And it all happened you know, every 10 seconds. Every minute matters so much, right? And they just crushed it. I mean, if, if it was a football game, they won 70 to nothing. And it, it just makes me think about it. I don't know if this is the platform or the time to even say this, but no time like the present. I never really day-to-day, -day, this makes me a jerk probably, but I don't sit here and think, 
we're all going to be scarred in some way or, or changed by what we saw with the DeMar Hamlin, you know, looking woozy and falling down and almost dying in front of us mm-hmm. in a game that we were watching for our own pleasure. But it really makes you further appreciate the folks that are riding around right now in ambulances or, or fire trucks or whatever that are responding to calls or that are working in hospitals today who are saving human lives every single second yeah. of every single day, every single minute of every day somewhere. And they're seeing things that you and I can't fathom, like right. unspeakably awful things where we're all saying, Joe Burrow's never going to be the same. Or what's, you know, Josh Allen, how's he ever going to recover? There are people that just see this stuff a if, bunch of times. If and there it, is such a thing, it's routine for them. It's just called Tuesday, yeah. you know? And, and it's not to belittle anything that happened at all as much as to say, like, that is a heroic thing that we probably just don't think about enough. Very well put. 100%. I mean, having, you know, had unfortunate experiences, you know, in my life of riding along with a loved one in the hot, in, a, in an ambulance, for me, for us in those moments, it's like, this is the worst thing that has ever happened to us. And as you said, for them, it's Wednesday at, you know, 1.45 p.m. It's the third call of the day. Yeah. They, you know they, they've, they've been doing it and will continue to do it. And for every person they're dealing with who's in hysteric, who's freaking out, who's crying, who can't be calmed down or whatever. They, they are, this is routine, if there is such a thing. It, it is amazing. But uh, we're, we're still going to keep pulling for it, keeping those fingers crossed for DeMar Hamlin, but it does sound very, very good. On to more trivial matters and the commanders. Where I wanted to actually start the show today was I had been going through and doing a little research on actually the quarterback position under Ron Rivera and just how bad the decision-making and the luck in some cases, as well as the execution of the guys they brought in, have been. But as I was doing that, a graphic came out that I just saw within the last hour. The Commanders slash football team is now 0-6 under Ron Rivera at home in December and January. And they've been outscored by 77 points. Now, remember that the team led by Rivera, has traditionally started very slowly here. Yep. And it was also his MO in Carolina, but I care less about that. But the the book here has been terrible Septembers. Like, you don't perform at the level you're supposed to. See, this season, they were 1-3 in, in the first month. But that at the end of the year, you're at your best. You're peaking. You are rolling going into the playoffs. That's kind of the way his teams have done it when they've been good. At home. The games you guys go to at FedEx Field in December, meaning the important ones, right? Uh Uh-huh. Down the stretch, let's clinch a playoff spot. Let's go into the postseason feeling good about ourselves. Six games, six losses, minus 77 scoring margin. That score by basically two touchdowns a game. 13 a game is what that boils down to. It's 12 and change, technically, but let's round up for fun. It it tells you the story, right? There, There are MOs here. Okay, it's why when they were one and four and everybody was freaking out and screaming, I said, here's what's going to happen. They're going to play better. They're going to do the thing that they've done each of the last couple of years, and sure enough, they did. I said, but here's the caution. They're going to fall apart in, in uh, at, at the end of the year because that's what they've done the last couple of years. I'm no, I'm no genius. I'm no Nostradamus. I'm terrible prognosticating, predicting things. But this one I saw because we have a very clear delineated pattern, and it comes down to me to one simple immutable fact, quarterback. And the complete and utter inability to either properly self-evaluate, evaluate externally, evaluate where that quarterback should come from. These are the times in these must-win moments 
when you could gimmick it up in October, when you could do something people hadn't hadn't seen you do yet, right? Where you're running it this way, you're 13 to 13, you know, 13 to 10 type W's for a couple of weeks here and there, relying on a defense. But over the over the time, over the the, the multiple months of a season, going from September into the new year, at the end of the day, you cannot have a completely unacceptable offense in this league now and win. You can't. And adjustments get made. The defense, you know, that so much is asked of them, will strain. You give up more than you're kind of used to over the past couple months, and we can get mad and go, well, they gave up 20 points to to the to the, the Browns. How could that happen? It's the league routinely team score. You cannot be this bad at the most important position, and it comes to roost at the end of every season. Yeah, I think at this point, Rivera's just really lucky they're going through an ownership change, probably. And I say probably because... Yeah, we don't know. We just don't know definitively that Dan's actually walking away and that that's happening and he is selling, but all signs are pointing that way. Because if this was the status quo where, let's just say, Dan Snyder's the owner and there nothing's been changing here over the last several months, mm-hmm. there's a real good chance they'd be making a change. The reason I say that is is not just that they've only won seven games the three seasons and may have the same win number for three consecutive years as a win total. As you just said, the bungled quarterback handling is what gets you on the hot seat, is what costs you your job, is what is ultimately deemed fireable. And in any other place, for the most part, over three years, if you had seven different starting quarterbacks, 12 quarterback changes, listen to these numbers. Yeah, This is what I looked up today. Seven different starting quarterbacks, 12 quarterback changes over three seasons. Three losing seasons, by the way. And the guy that you just traded, a second and a third round draft pick for in $28 million. Now, let me stop you before you jump in to say it's actually two-thirds. It has become two-thirds, luckily. Because, because yeah, you got lucky, exactly. You traded a second, a third, and 28 mil. You were hoping it was going to be two, uh, another second because he was going to play all year and we wouldn't care. To have made 12 quarterback changes, had seven different starters, giving up what they did for Wentz to be their quarterback of the future. And going into year four, the worst part of all of this is those numbers as standalone numbers are awful. Like that is horrendous. And that is what gets GMs fired and coaches removed from their post because you just can't be that wrong that many times and and not figure out quarterback for that long, frankly, in this league that you're just not allowed that luxury. They have no plan right now for the future. You're going into year four and you're doing it again. And you're allowing this same group now to go make the quarterback decision. But you are right back where you started. In other words, if you had done the 12 quarterback changes, the seven different starters, and Wentz balled out against the Browns, you're on the verge of making the playoffs. He's one more good win away from you having your quarterback next year. Even if we all don't think he's great, it's a way different spot to be sitting in if you're Ron Rivera than you're literally about to go back to the well. Yep. Back to the drawing board again. And here's the list, Danny. He takes over in 2020. Since then, Dwayne Haskins to Kyle Allen to Alex Smith, back to Haskins to Heineke, back to Smith to Heineke. Okay, so that's his first year, six quarterback changes. Second year, Fitzpatrick early, week one. Heineke after that. Heineke the rest of the way with a Garrett Gilbert start in there. So I I could actually add 
one that I didn't even put on this list, okay? A COVID start, to be fair. COVID start. Some of this is, I mean, all 13 changes, are. some of them are injury, bad luck. It it just speaks to the ineptitude overall at the position. Uh, The next year, that's this year, his third season, Wentz to Heineke to Wentz to now Howe. So if your starting point was Dwayne Haskins in 2020, one change to Allen, two to Smith, three to Haskins, four to Heineke, five to Smith, six to Heineke, Off-season change to Fitz, change to Gilbert, change to Heineke, right? Or or you went to Heineke, then Gilbert, then back to Heineke. Then Wentz off-season into Heineke, Wentz, and Howe. You're talking about basically 14 quarterback changes. Yeah, it's dizzying. 14 quarterback changes. Again, some are injury, right? It's not all just benching a guy, which has happened about half the time. It's been that you're just changing your mind at who's going to start. But it's actually not seven starters. It's eight because of Garrett Gilbert. And you're about to do this all over again. Like They are really lucky that the ownership situation is in flux. That's right. Because front offices and staffs do not get this luxury. They just don't get this much time to botch this so badly, Danny. It doesn't happen. No. And that's, I think you said this. I mean, to me, what what is so clear and so definitive after three years of not investing in a young quarterback, despite multiple opportunities to do so, some people want to explain away year one. We've legislated that. People can disagree. I think that's fine. But opting to do this veteran leftover, try to go compete now kind of thing, the win now type mode, it is it has failed dramatically and catastrophically to the tune of seven wins. You're in the seven-win bucket when you go get the next crew of leftovers when you start to pick and choose from those guys. Definitively to me, it's time to draft a quarterback. But that's not what this regime wants to do because they don't want to take that step back. And beyond that, I don't trust them to do so. I don't trust their evaluation, and, and nobody should at this stage. So that leads me to say that if this was normal, again, forget about a tyrant owner, forget about you know, what's happening behind the scenes here in Washington. Who knows what's happening? English citizen Dan Snyder uh, imbroglio is notwithstanding. Normally you would say, well, I can't do the thing that Washington always does, which is coach drafts a quarterback, gets fired, quarterback stunted, next regime inherits him, and the cycle then continues in perpetuity. They take Anthony Richardson or whoever this year, and then next year uh, Ben Johnson or whoever coordinator you hire handles him. So my... Thing Anthony was, Richardson, I think. Yeah. So my my conclusion there, if you follow that logical chain, the same reason, and I like Jay Gruden, comes on our show every Monday. He's really good. There is no way I would have Jay Gruden start a season so I could fire him after five games. There's no way I would have Ron Rivera draft the quarterback so that then he would be fired at the end of next year, during next year, whatever. He lost his privilege for that. So if I'm going to fire him after a year... I'm going to do that now, and the next regime is going to draft my quarterback or acquire the quarterback or whatever it is. But now, enter the reality. Things are not normal. Things are more unusual, perhaps, than they have ever been in the history of this franchise. Really quickly, I want to just run through the decisions they've made at quarterback because that's what I'm drilling down on as my evidence for the dysfunction and just how bad the Rivera era has gone through three years. They didn't make the year three leap. They are still at seven wins. They have the same record, basically, for three straight seasons. He got here. They traded a five for Kyle Allen. They chose to stick with Haskins, despite people in the building telling them he was not a starting quarterback. They passed on, and I don't crush them for this. I will readily admit that I don't go as hard about this as a lot of other people. 
But they took Chase Young at two, passing on Herbert and Tua, among others. They also, in that draft, in subsequent opportunities to either go into the first round late or second round, they passed on guys like Jalen Hurts (laughs) and Jordan Love. Like, this all has to be part of the conversation. In other words, if you're a fan and you didn't think they should have drafted, drafted Justin Herbert, that's okay. They pay people millions of dollars to make sure that's my that view. when you're picking second and Justin Herbert's available, you got to know that Justin Herbert's going to be really damn good and you shouldn't pass on him. But I digress. So that was all their first offseason, what I just said. Yep. Trading the five for Allen, choosing Haskins over the draft, you know, passing on Herbert to a passing on Hurts love, whatever else. And I don't go as adamantly against them that year because who knows what Dan was telling him about Haskins. But it has to be added to the conversation. The second offseason, they chose Fitzpatrick. They had a lot of options, by the way, that year on the free agent market. And they chose a really old guy who gets hurt a lot. And what happened to the really old guy is he got hurt almost immediately. They elected not to draft a developmental quarterback to pair with a bridge in Fitzpatrick. That could have been trading up for field. So I think the jury's very much still out on. He runs all over the place. The Bears legitimately this week lined him up as a running back. I don't know if you saw that, but they would have a running back taking snaps Pitching to Justin Fields, basically. I mean, it, That's pretty wild. Not developing him as a passer at all, but I digress. Uh, Mac Jones easily could have moved up and got him for, for a song. They had no interest in who knows what these guys become or if any of them were worth it, but guys like Davis Mills or, uh, or uh, Kyle Trask or Sam Ellinger or Ian Book, they just said, no, we're good. We've got Fitzpatrick. And then this offseason, at an astronomical cost, They finally pushed the chips in, and the guy after two years of waiting for the right player to pounce on was Carson Wentz at a two, a three, and 28 million. That was only after, lest we forget, they tried to trade for Russell Wilson. Uh They tried to give up three first round picks and players for Russell Wilson, who, thank God, said no. Now, again, I don't think most people in this market were saying don't trade for Russell Wilson. I, I was. I was wrong. Everyone wanted Russell Wilson. But it is okay to say, Marty Herney, Marty Mayhew, Ron Rivera, you get paid tens of millions of dollars combined. Can we figure out a way to know that Russell Wilson is not going to be worth what is being given up for him? They also had a choice, by the way. Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota, better year than Wentz. Mitch Trubisky, better than Wentz. Andy Dalton, better than Wentz. Tyrod Taylor, Geno Smith. He signed a one-year, $3 million contract and has had a really good year for the Seahawks. Yeah. Over all those guys, they chose Wentz. Like, at some point, you just can't tell me that all these decisions don't matter. They matter a ton. And just one other name I would throw out there, they didn't, wouldn't have had to maneuver around at all, Kenny Pickett in the draft. Nobody's saying Kenny Pickett lit the world on fire in year one. Showed some things. How much better off as an organization would they be right now if they would have drafted Kenny Pickett this year in the first round? Well, I say a lot, but but beyond that, it gives you a reason to say, okay, you deserve some time. Right. Right, they, they like would have you a bought yourself time. May, maybe a better record. Maybe they're a game worse. I doubt it. But they would have a comparable record, probably. And they would. It looks like have a quarterback that will be the starter for his rookie contract at the minimum. Mm-hmm. Instead, you're getting back into the water, swimming around with the teams that are all about to overspend on mediocre available quarterbacks, or you've got to draft someone, which they have not done. They have been extremely reluctant to do. The only guy they've drafted is Sam Howell in the fifth round. And we're about to see what he looks like for the first time against Dallas this weekend. But in summation, 
as a staff, when you come in for a team that is quarterback starved, your number one mission is quarterback. And going into last offseason, Ron's press conference at the end of the year was, we got to solve quarterback. It's the same press conference he did yesterday. Just change the date. A year has passed, and then another year, and now a third year, and he's having the same conversation. We got to find quarterback. You have had so many bites at this apple. Even the bites you didn't take were opportunities that you could have gotten off on ramps. It's just amazing how poorly they've done at finding a QB. What do you guys make of the Rivera era through three years? And let's let's phrase it this way. Maybe we can count up some of his wins, so to speak, as you know this regime's victories, where they've done well. We can do that next and, and be balanced here at 800-636-1067. But what would you say Rivera and his staff in the front office can hang their hats on after three years running the show here in Washington? Because that's what it's been. Three years. Same win total if they don't win this weekend in all three seasons, despite two of those years having one more game than their first year. 800-636-1067 is the number on Grant and Danny, the MGM National Harbor listener lines are open. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.